Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we continue the season of Easter and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're also concluding our sermon series, Easter in the First Person. Today we hear the story of Barabbas, the man who was freed by Pontius Pilate in place of Jesus. What do you do when you receive the gift of new life? Join us now for the message, Give Us Barabbas. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. We're very happy that you have joined us here on this Mother's Day, both those of you who are in the sanctuary as well as those who are worshiping at home. So what do you do when you think your life is over, but then you're given another chance? What do you do with the gift of new life? We'll be talking about that just a little bit later on in the service. We have two scripture readings this morning. The first comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, beginning with the 11th verse. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, beginning with the 18th verse. Then they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow, release Barabbas for us. This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city, and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, Why, what evil thing has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified and that their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man that they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over as they wished. This is the word of God for the people of God. I can remember this like it was yesterday. I was sitting in my prison cell in the praetorium, that is, that's the governor's palace, awaiting my death by crucifixion. I'd been condemned earlier that week, but the Romans liked to wait and crucify several victims at once. And since it was a festival week, the executions had to be squeezed in between Passover on Thursday and the Sabbath on Saturday. So that meant that my death was scheduled for Friday. I'd not been able to sleep the night before, so I was still awake not long after sunrise when I began to hear some sort of commotion going out in the courtyard. Evidently, a crowd had gathered. But why was there a crowd outside the praetorium at 7 a.m. in the morning, the day after Passover. 
As I sat there, the crowd grew louder and louder, yet I couldn't make out what they were saying. But whatever it was, it sounded like they were just getting more and more angry. Then I heard sounds outside my cell. Someone had entered the cell block and was talking in muffled tones with the jailer. Then two sets of footsteps coming down the hall. The sound of the key in the lock. The door swings open. The jailer and a soldier come inside. And I guess this is it. They're coming to take me to my crucifixion. The soldier tells me to come with him, but oddly, he does not bind my hands. He leads me up to the ground level and we go out a side door. But after so long in my cell, the glare of the sun's light assaults my eyes and I have to cover them. Then the soldier says the last thing I expected. He tells me I'm free to go. Pilate has ordered my release. I just stand there. I am dumbfounded. And I think my mind must be playing tricks on me because of my anxiety and my lack of sleep. And so again, now with irritation in his voice, the soldier tells me to go. I've been released. So in confusion, I turn and I stumble down the street. And I think, what has just happened? I had been condemned to death, but now I was free. My name is Jesus Barabbas. But most people just call me Barabbas. In the Aramaic language, the word bar means son of, and Abba means father. And most men in my culture are known as so-and-so, son of, or bar, so-and-so. My name, Barabbas, means son of the father. And the fact that my name means son of the father is just another way of saying, I have no idea who my father is. I'm the son of a prostitute, and I grew up in the village of Adasa, which is a few miles northwest of Jerusalem. And when your mother is the village prostitute, it can make for a very difficult childhood, and it makes you want to prove yourself, to prove your worth. Well, I always had inspiration from my hometown. My village, Adasa, is known as the scene of one of Judea's greatest victories. See, it was in Adasa 170 years ago that the great Jewish general Judas Maccabeus defeated the Syrian general Nicanor. You see, our Syrian overlords were trying to make us conform to Hellenistic culture by trying to make us abandon our faith in the Lord. Circumcision and Sabbath observance became illegal. They were forbidden. But the final straw was when they defamed our temple by trying to turn it into a temple for Zeus. Well, at that point, Judah and his Maccabees rose up and defeated the Syrians. And when they went to restore the temple, they only found enough kosher oil to light the temple menorah for one night. But miraculously, the oil lasted eight nights until they could manufacture some more kosher oil. And so ever since, we have celebrated this miracle with the festival of Hanukkah, or the festival of lights. And so for after that, for a hundred years, we Jews were proudly free and independent. But then the Romans came, and they installed Herod as a puppet king over Judea and Galilee and the surrounding country. 
And when the Romans and their puppet king Herod came, with them came domination, oppression, and taxation. We peasants could be taxed as much as 50, sometimes even 60% of our income. And at this level of taxation, this almost always then leads to crushing debt and oftentimes the loss of our land. Now some Jewish traders responded to this oppression by collaborating with the Romans for their own political or economic gain. They grew rich by this. Others just resigned themselves to the Roman boot heel and they just became sheep accepting of their fate. But some of us were willing to fight and we're called zealots. We burn with zeal for both Israel and the Lord. We're willing to fight and die so that Jews can be free once more. We just know that God is calling us to purify our land of all the Romans and all the other Gentiles. Our slogan is, no king but God. If we prove ourselves worthy, the Lord will send us our Messiah, the anointed king and son of David who will lead us to new glory. And then just like the Maccabees before us, we'll rise up, defeat the Romans and all our other enemies and take our rightful place as the rulers of this world. Because it's for this reason that the Lord chose us Jews so long ago. So to prove our worthiness, my local band of zealots conducted raids on the Romans. We would attack them on the road and then we would melt away into the hills before they could respond. We were able to kill many of the soldiers before they had a chance to oppress us or our people. And we also attacked the wealthy Jewish collaborators, taking their wealth to finance our crusade because we had to make them pay for their treachery. It was ultimately one of these Jewish tax collectors who betrayed us to the Romans. And this time they came and they raided us and I was arrested. And in a very quick trial, I was sentenced to be executed by crucifixion. So then why would Pilate release me? I mean, at least I fully admit I am guilty of the crimes of which I was charged, insurrection and murder. I devoted my life to defeating the Romans and casting them out of our holy nation. And I had long ago lost count of how many men that I had killed. After being released, I circled back to where the crowd was making such a commotion in the courtyard of the Praetorium. And I asked someone there at the back of the crowd what was happening. And he said there was some itinerant preacher from Galilee who had just been sentenced to death. Pilate, as was his custom each Passover, had offered to release one of the prisoners. And Pilate had tried to get the crowd to ask for this preacher's release. But instead, the crowd had asked for Barabbas. And so I thought, that's why I was released. The crowd asked for me. That made no sense. I asked who this itinerant preacher was, and he answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Well, what a coincidence. He shared the same first name that I had. And I asked the stranger himself, a Galilean, to just tell me a little bit more about this Jesus of Nazareth. So evidently for the last three years, Jesus of Nazareth had gone throughout Galilee teaching the people and healing them, all who were broken in their bodies, their minds, or their spirits. As his name implied, Jesus of Nazareth, he was originally from Nazareth, though he had recently, in his adult, moved to Capernaum. It seemed that the village of Nazareth, his home village, had rejected him. They'd rejected the teaching of their hometown boy and had cast him out. 
And it also seems there in Nazareth that there always been some kind of controversy about exactly who his father was. Well, I knew how that felt. Jesus taught that God was the father of us all. And as someone who'd never known their father, I actually found that a very comforting thought. Well, Jesus of Nazareth had become so well known that many thought he might be the Messiah. And if he were the Messiah, that would make him the son of God. So if God is our father and he was the son of God, I guess that makes him Jesus Barabbas. Jesus, the son of the father, just like me. The parallels between this Jesus and me were becoming kind of spooky. And I finally asked, for what crime had this Jesus of Nazareth been condemned? Insurrection against Rome. And so I asked, was, was he a zealot too? No, in fact, the stranger said he had never lifted up his sword nor taught his followers to do so. He even freely interacted with the Romans and the Roman soldiers and had even once healed the servant of a centurion. One of his followers had indeed been a zealot, but he had another disciple who was a tax collector. And so I began to wonder just whose side this fellow was on. So what irony. Jesus of Nazareth, an innocent man who never lifted up a sword against the Romans, would be crucified for insurrection, while I, Jesus Barabbas, a confessed insurrectionist and murderer, would go free and instead, this other Jesus would die in my place. So one Jesus, son of the Father, would die in the place of the other Jesus, son of the Father. It's kind of like he was my own personal Passover lamb, whose blood would cause the angel of death to pass over me. Well, I couldn't turn away. Considering I'd just been released, I should have left Jerusalem immediately, but I just couldn't stop. I had to find out what happened to this man. So as Jesus was sent off to his death, I followed from a distance. And I watched as he stumbled and fell under the weight of his cross. I watched as first they tied his hands to the cross, and then they nailed his hands and feet to the cross, letting out a howl of pain. And I watched as the cross went upright and I watched as they attached the sign for his crime, King of the Jews. I watched as the soldiers cast lots for his clothing, as the leaders mocked him, as women wept for him. Then I heard the second most unexpected thing that I heard that day. The first unexpected thing was being told that I was free to go because Pilate had ordered my release. The second most unexpected thing is when this Jesus looked to heaven and said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And I thought, how could he possibly forgive those who had literally driven nails through his flesh and bones? How could he forgive the Romans who had committed one atrocity after another in all the lands they had conquered? And how could he forgive the fathers that had abandoned us both? Well, later I heard him cry out, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then he died. And then I heard the third most unexpected thing I heard that day. The centurion who had been overseeing his crucifixion looked up at Jesus and exclaimed, Truly this man was the Son of God. In other words, 
Truly, this man was Barabbas. This man was Barabbas. This Barabbas, who now hung dead on that cross, with whom I shared so many parallels, was then, though in so many ways, my exact mirror opposite. Where my heart was filled with vengeance and my mouth was filled with curses, his heart was filled with mercy and his mouth was filled with words of forgiveness. And at that very moment, I was filled with shame for obviously the better man had died in my place. Well, at this point, there was nothing left to do but make my way back to my home in the village of Adassa, the place where the mighty Jude and the Maccabees had defeated the Syrians. But as I walked back, I began to think that perhaps, just perhaps, maybe violence wasn't the answer this time. Perhaps this Jesus, this man of peace, maybe he was the true Messiah after all. And maybe the Jews were not chosen to be victorious conquerors, but rather to be a light for all the nations. I had a lot to think about. And I had a feeling that I would not be returning to the zealots and their dream of military victory over the Romans. But in one final irony, it was a fellow zealot who helped me make sense of it all. Back in Adassa, I ran into an old zealot friend named Simon. Though sometimes still known as Simon the Zealot, Simon had left, Simon had left the movement three years ago when he became a disciple of a traveling rabbi from Galilee. As we talked, I began to realize that this traveling rabbi was the very same Jesus of Nazareth whose life had been exchanged for mine. And as I listened to Simon, the hairs on the back of my neck began to stand on end. And then he told me the most unexpected thing I'd heard since that day I watched Jesus die on the cross. Simon said that after three days, Jesus had been raised from the dead. And his disciples, including Simon, had talked to him numerous times, and since then they had received the power of the Holy Spirit on the morning of Pentecost, just as Jesus had promised. And furthermore, Jesus had commanded them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I tell you, I am still a zealot, but now my zeal is not for armed rebellion, but now my zeal is for my witness of how Jesus died for me and how the blood of this Passover lamb saved me. And now my heart is no longer filled with vengeance, but with mercy. And my mouth is no longer filled with curses, but with words of forgiveness. And best of all, I have now found the only father that I ever really needed. And it is with both pride and humility that I share this name of Jesus Barabbas. For it is because of Jesus, the Son of God, the Father, that now all of us can call ourselves the sons and daughters of God. So my prayer for you, child of God, is that you will meet the risen Christ. And don't wait to the day of your crucifixion. Don't wait to the moments before death. Because the risen Christ wants you to have a life filled with abundance right now and for years to come. Amen. And so let us now, with the confidence that we have as children of God, let us pray the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so now receive this benediction. Go forth this day in the knowledge that there is always new life in Christ. And then may you be the messenger of new life to all that you meet. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's service. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11. Next Sunday, we begin a new sermon series, Catholic Saints for Pious Protestants. We'll examine the lives of Saints Patrick, Francis, and Ignatius. You'll also find audio recordings for all our services on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. Remember, we're now worshiping both in person in our sanctuary as well as online. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church. Thank you.